This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Menga. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumoulin. And our topic this week is... One month with a new Apple Watch. Has it really only been one month? It feels longer than that. For me, it has only been one month. Oh, that's true. That's true. We will talk about why for me it <laughs> has only been one month. All right. But first, we have some follow-up. Uh, do you want to go first or do I go first? I will go first. So in the last episode, in episode 101... Namely titled "What and Why and Not How," I messed up some of my keyboard shortcut. I was uh, at some point we were talking about the keyboard shortcut to show documentation, and I uh, messed it up when I was uh, telling you them. So since Xcode 9, command click on code will show you a new code structure popover that contains renaming, edit and scope, show uh, jump to definition, or show documentation itself. Uh, also, command control click would do jump to definition. And the main reason why I misremembered it is because I inverted them since I was so used to do command click to jump to definition. So, uh, ah. Since uh, an Xcode any before, you would command click to jump to definition directly. Uh, also, the shortcut I was really looking for when I uh, all messed it up was option click because uh, the shortcut I didn't mention this one is directly to show you uh, the documentation popover for the code you option clicked on. So that's the one we were talking about where uh, depending on how you write your comments, and especially if you follow uh, Apple Doc style comments, either on WC or Swift, those would uh, fill those popovers where it showed documentation for the class or the variable that you just optioned. Uh, for my last follow-up of item, I have follow-up on top of follow-up. But in episode 90, I followed up on my episode 84, which I was talking about reminding CarPlay. Uh, a couple of weeks after I talked about my reimagination of CarPlay, uh, one of the main features I was asking for was, if you recall, it was last year. So I was talking about third-party navigation apps, and I was saying that uh, during the summer, I used Waze quite a lot. Because I have to drive in traffic to go to the racetrack. At that time, Ford mentioned they were updating their Sync 3 system to this 3.0. Yes, there's Sync 3. And then there's a version number for Sync 3, which is really 3.0. And with that 3.0 version of Sync 3, you would it would have native way support. And at that time, I was saying, oh yeah, I'll update my car and I'll follow back up on that topic. So that happened in between the two last episodes. So uh, I would say 12 episodes later, so nearly a year after, uh, half a year after, excuse me, uh, I finally updated my car. And oh my goodness. <laughs> this, so first of all, uh, since I'm used to use CarPlay, uh, I had to disable CarPlay. Uh, I can select which phone are CarPlay enabled in the infotainment system. And for the sake of it, I decided let's not enable it for my phone. So I plug in my phone and it detects everything and it connects with Bluetooth because when you use CarPlay, Bluetooth is visible. I already mentioned that in various previous CarPlay episodes. So it connects to Bluetooth and it's still using the wired connection for the rest of things. I press on the Waze app and then it starts, you start the clock. Still waiting. Like it's so slow. And I think it took it take five minutes to load. I don't know what's doing. I didn't look at my so I didn't look at my cellular data. I'm going to be surprised if it was trying to maybe upload or download an update or stuff like that. But the first time, it was super slow. So it's I actually tried... mining a Bitcoin before it gets to the launching of the app. 
could be. Mm. But now that Waze is officially supported inside CarPlay, and if I recall correctly, it is also in Android Auto. I believe so. I don't understand why you would use Waze inside your sync system. So Syncria, as I mentioned a lot in the past, uh, it was it, it is a good system. It was not a bad one, not an amazing one for an infotainment system. But at this point, if you have either an Android phone, a recent Android phone, or an iOS phone that runs uh, iOS 11, uh, iOS 12, you should be able to use uh, Waves support through those native like phone OS uh, infotainment system platform. And I never use Android Auto, but from what I heard about it, it is as fast as CarPlay is, and with Waze, even if I think the first few version of Waze on, on top of CarPlay were a bit uh, crashy, it seems that they've solved some of those crashes uh, in the fa- in the past few recent updates. So uh, I've used it maybe five minutes, the sync system native support, and I've just like re-enabled CarPlay and say like, nope, 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 never doing that ever again. Cool. So let's go through your follow-up before we go to the Apple Watch review. Okay, so first I have a programming note. Uh, we said this at the end of the episode last week, but not everybody listens to the outro. So I'm going to say it in the follow-up this week. Uh, next episode is going to be our first annual game of the year episode. And we would like to know which games our listeners have been enjoying this year. It doesn't have to be games that were released this year. It just needs to be games you enjoyed throughout the year. Uh, and maybe we'll even talk about a couple of them on the next episode. So definitely tweet at us at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter uh, with the games you've been enjoying throughout the year. Next up, uh, we're it, we're pretty retro for um, this follow-up because we're going all the way back to episode 24. Wow. Yes. What was episode 24? Episode 24 was about Twitch and YouTube gaming. It was the episode I did about it before you did an episode about it. Uh, and one of the things we addressed on that episode was the Nintendo Creators Program. Oh, true. Yes, I saw that. Yes. And it was announced that just in time for Smash, which is coming out at midnight tonight as we record this, <laughs> uh, the Nintendo Creators Program is coming to an end. Previously, Nintendo required everyone who made videos of, get- of their games to sign up for the Creators Program, which made Nintendo a middleman for all of the monetization revenue from those videos. So Nintendo would receive the raw payments from Google for ads on your videos, and then they would transfer a percentage of that to you via PayPal within 60 days. Uh, And it was kind of a shitty deal, and a lot of people were really angry about it. Now they're dropping the whole thing. Uh, Nintendo now asks that you follow the Nintendo Game Content Guidelines for Online Video and Image Sharing Platforms, which contains the following rules. It's short enough that we can fit in the follow-up. Only monetize via whitelisted services and ad programs. Create videos with commentary instead of merely showing in-game footage unless you're using the capture button on a Switch, which is limited to 30-second clips. Only use officially released content, either from the game or promotional materials that Nintendo has released. Third-party content is out of our hands. Do not imply that Nintendo is affiliated with your channel. And Nintendo reserves the right to remove anything that's illegal, infringing, or inappropriate, which makes total sense. Uh, And the whitelisted monetization services and programs are... Facebook's Game Streamer and Level Up programs. I have never heard of the Level Up program, so I have no idea what that is. Probably some Facebook Live shit. Uh, Nico Nico's Creator program and Nico Nico Channel. Uh, Nico Nico is sort of the Japanese YouTube for 
what we would call variety streamers on Twitch. Uh, they tend to hang out more there. And Nico Nico Channel is more of the commercial arm for like networks that do shows about video games. Uh, Open Rec's creators program. Open Rec is more the esports side of streaming in Japan. Uh, so like esports people, uh, big shooter community, fighter community, Splatoon community is big there. Uh, they have a creators program, which is supported by Nintendo. Twitch's affiliate and partner programs. Twitter's Amplify Publisher program, which I have never heard of. I have no idea what this is. I think it just means you get a cut of promoted tweets that show up when people look at your timeline if you're a celebrity or something. I don't know. Uh, and of course, the YouTube partner program, the most obvious one. So all of these changes are already live. Uh, so... People can make cool videos about Nintendo stuff and Nintendo won't be siphoning off a part of their of your uh, monetization, which is cool. And clearly this is because they want everybody to be talking about Smash this holiday season because I'm pretty sure it's the only game on Switch this holiday season. Uh, I'm greatly looking forward to Monday because my coworker is going to be bringing his Switch and I'm going to be bringing my GameCube controller and we are going to be playing Smash over lunch hour, which is going to be great. Oh, don't forget that there was Pokemon uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, that's true. Well, I didn't count it because it's the dumbed-down version. But whatever. That's another <laughs> oh, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next retro follow-up is episode 26, which was about our editing workflow for the show. Because uh, last episode was in- edited entirely on the iPad Pro. Now, it's not the first time that we've edited the show entirely on the iPad Pro. We've done it a couple times in the past. However, uh, our workflow is now much better on the iPad Pro. It turns out that two years of progress is actually quite significant. Uh, So we used to have an issue where we like noise reduction and we couldn't find a good noise reduction app on the iPad. But thanks to an article on the suite setup, I found out about an application called Bruce Free, which is a Swedish application. It means noise free and it is literally the best noise reduction results I have ever heard in any app on any platform. Uh, And we are lucky enough to have it on iPad. So I picked it up during uh, Black Friday. It was $10. Normally it's $20. It was like 60% off or something. So great deal and amazing results. And then I tried Ferrite's Apple Pencil support, which is also amazing, uh, where now I can just sit up and uh, sit at a table with my iPad and the Apple Pencil and drag over clips that I want to delete. And as soon as I finish that drag, the clips are deleted. So I can just let the audio play and drag over stuff I want removed and just do that for the entire show. And then at the end, I'm done editing the podcast. Uh, one of the downsides of this is that Farah doesn't have variable playback speed when within the app. So I can't listen to the audio at 2x like I normally would on a Mac uh, to do the thing. But it actually turns out that it ended up taking about as much time as it did on the Mac because there was just more overhead in having to pause the audio, drag my selection, do the keyboard shortcut, play, press play again. But the specific play button for the 2x play because Audacity is a piece of shit. Uh so it was really really cool and i hope to be editing all of the future podcasts on that Uh, if you hear a slight change in editing style that's why and um the big thing that we were concerned about is audacity seems like abandonware and the next step up is like 300 dollars for logic or whatever and i'm not sure it would really warrant spending 300 dollars if we can spend 
$40 or whatever on the software we need to do it on iPad. And it does a good enough job as is. And I know that I was maybe over obsessing a little bit on editing every little um and ah in the podcast before, whereas now it's a little bit more trouble to do it. So I don't do it as often. Um, but that's the news for the editing workflow for now. And we will keep you updated if it keeps getting better. And now episode 96, which is not a retro episode, but it is on a retro subject, which is re-releases of classic consoles. Uh, and of course the PlayStation classic has launched since our last episode. There has been an extensive, uh, digital foundry video explaining all of the bad things about the PlayStation classic, which are, (laughs) which is a very recommended video. Uh, I'm not going to summarize it here, but it's basically one of the worst classic re-release consoles that we've seen so far. Right, because from what I heard, like the Nintendo ones were good, not great, but good, and this one seems meh, like really passable. Let's put it this. You could actually make the case that all of the Nintendo ones played the games better than on original hardware, whereas this plays games worse than on original hardware consistently worse than on original hardware which is not good and uh there was a whole thing where a bunch of the games uh are from pal region which is 50 hertz refresh rate instead of 60 hertz like we had here in north america and it turns out that maybe the reason that we they use 50 hertz is because the emulator couldn't keep up with the 60 hertz version but in either case, it just means that the game looks completely chunky when played on a 60 hertz display, which is bad, which is not good. Uh, and then on top of that, yesterday there was a tweet flying around the internet, which unfortunately was wrong, uh, which claimed that a bunch of games uh, that people had hoped would be on the PlayStation Classic were on the PlayStation Classic, just not visible via the menu system. And I ended up digging into this. Uh, and it turns out that the person who made the tweet didn't really know what they were looking at when they posted the proof of what they thought was the proof that their the games are on the system. Uh, they posted a diff between the PCSX rearmed normal source code and the source code that was deployed on the PlayStation Classic. Uh, I'm not sure where they got the source code. It might be on the system itself, or it might just have to be released because of GPL or something. I'm not sure about the licensing situation with PCSX. But Sony has added a bunch of game-specific optimizations for a lot of games that are not on the system, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like Gran Turismo. Yay, Gran Turismo! Like Medal of Honor uh, Frontline, I think it was. There, There were like a good 30 to 40 games that people would definitely agree are PlayStation classics that are nowhere to be seen on the PlayStation Classic. It's crazy when I saw the link and a tweet passing around yesterday. Like I, the the person put like kind of a gallery image of uh, all of the, like all the game boxes. I'm like, wow, that would have made an amazing lineup for yeah. the PS Classic, and I think it would have made me buy one. Yeah, what I told you online was that it reminded me of the Sears Christmas catalog for 1999 because basically that was what was for sale in 1999. It was all the best selling PlayStation games, and It would have been amazing if they could have gotten some of these. Uh, I'm not sure if these were cut due to licensing issues. Like, almost guaranteed Gran Turismo and Tony Hawk. Like, it's music and car licensing that got in the way. But maybe it's also because the games are too advanced and they weren't running well. Like, a lot of the games that are on the PlayStation Classic are launch window games. 
Hmm. which means they would be fairly primitive uses of the hardware compared to other stuff. And like, we haven't addressed this so far, but there's no Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation Classic, which is really weird because every time they talk about the original PlayStation, they take out like Crash Bandicoot as an example of a great game. And I mean, it's clear that it's because the Crash trilogy came out last year on PS4 and this year on Switch, and they're trying to sell copies of that. But it's also really suspect. In general, is the PSX emulator good? Well, it's good on better ARM hardware than what's in there. Mm, But it's not entirely accurate 100% of the time. And the various game optimizations and corrections they added to the the source code were not sufficient to actually make it 100% accurate, of course. Um, But I mean, like, if you... If you exclude performance, I think a lot of people would not realize that the game is not accurate. You have to be, like, knowledgeable about the games to actually notice it. So it's less about the emulator choice that it is poor performance, more about this, the artwork put inside the classic. Definitely. Poor performance. Okay, that's good to know. And because Sony's emulation has always been so good on PlayStation 3, uh, backwards compat on uh, PlayStation 2 because they had the same hardware in the device... And the PSP and the PS Vita both have MIPS processors on the board, which allow them to only do partial emulation for the PlayStation games. So the official emulation options that Sony has used so far are so good that this looks terrible in comparison because they've been knocking it out of the park for so long that we forgot that normally when people make products like this, they suck. And unfortunately, this product also sucks. Uh, but I'm very excited to hear. One of my friends tells me that uh, the PlayStation controllers are recognized as regular direct input controllers on a PC, which Ooh. means I could potentially buy $50 USB controllers for some reason that look like PlayStation controllers. I don't know. Maybe it's not a great deal. Uh, but I was excited to at least find out that there was that option if you end up buying one. Nice. That's it for my follow-up. Good. So let's move into the topic. So, like I said in the opening, it, this will be our one month for me, but a couple of months uh, review with the new Apple Watch. Uh, like Yannick and I uh, discussed quickly in the uh, opening of episode uh, 96, where we talk about the September Apple event, uh, where we talk about uh, the new Apple Watch and especially which one we were planning to buy. 96 is the classic console episode, by the way. I just know because it's right here in my follow-up. Right, right, but we started with a small intro about uh, the Apple event. I know it was oh, about the event, okay. but we just did a quick, uh, a quick opinion about what was announced and also what we were planning to get, and that's where we mentioned which model we were uh, getting. So, Yannick, do you want to start with yours? Yes, forty millimeter gold stainless. Oh, you went. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yes, forty. And for me, it is the 44 stainless steel gold with Milanese loop. So yet again, Yannick and I are on the same body style, just a body case color. Just he has a small one and I have a big one. And which for us was exactly that before with the Series 0. He already had, he already had the 38 and I had the 42. So it means full band compatibility uh, with our bands. If you remember, I was a bit uh, waffling with my decision of which one should I get because before the announcement, I was really set on getting the Space Black or I forgot what they rename it now, but the, the black one more or less. 
because it, like we I said a lot, it was introduced uh, six months after we I bought my Series Zero, and I loved it so much. The color more than the stainless steel. And in the end, for me, uh, I was unsure about the gold. I went to the Apple Store a couple of times, and at that point, uh, I was also to confirm that my reservation was good. Uh, and I was quite happy with my choice since it arrived. Especially, I was a bit afraid that the gold on top of gold with the minimalism was a bit a bit too blingy. And I was corrected for the last the first week I wore it, where uh, I first of all loved the minimalism loop. I think it will uh, it has become my uh, favorite band. But more on that later when uh, we talk about the hardware. But all of this to say is I was a bit afraid of the blinginess and it was not. So Yannick, uh, if I recall correctly, you ordered yours uh, during the uh, pre-orders time frame? Yeah, I woke up 3 a.m. to order it. So uh, this year I decided to not do that. <laughs> Big uh, regrets. <laughs> I would say a yes and no. So uh, the reason I decided to skip the 3 a.m. pre-order was uh, last year when I did it with my iPhone 10 and I missed the window, I still have put it an order in at 3am and Indian end up canceling it because the uh, reserve in store and especially the, and the pickup the same day with reservation in store kind of appeared like a week or like maybe 10 days after the launch, which was way earlier than my expected delivery date for the online reservation which i think was a month and a half so i decided to do the same and i waited to so i look at the next morning i was like oh it's already a month after the the, the official release blah blah blah. i don't care so i decided to wait and wait and wait and wait and in-store reservation was missing in action so after a couple of weeks i decided to put the reservation but after that, at that point i was even a more uh, a month in advance i've ended up ordering mine on september end of september september 29th to be exact and it took more or less a month to uh, deliver because it i got it on october 26th and we're on december 6th recording this so that ends the one month review title it was a bit funny because uh one of my good friend and co-worker got his and i like literally drove him to the apple store i wanted to go see them uh, really didn't try them at the apple watch table in the apple store and he was lucky enough because he only wanted the apple watch the normal one the aluminium one and they had it in store and that was my second time going to an apple store to see if they had it at the particular model ad in store the first one i think the employee told me that they had the space black and i was like oh <laughs> do i wait do i take it uh, and, and end up just like okay i'll try again another store later on uh, and at that time, when uh, I realized that the the Apple Watch normal one uh, were getting more availability in store, I kind of realized that uh, there might be a bit more supply concern with the stainless steel model, especially with the gold one. Hence why I was, quote unquote, forced to wait for my online order to arrive. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it seems baffling to me that you would think to do the in-store thing for the apple watch in particular because there are so many SKUs, and like the iphone 10 like yeah there it's going to be in st available in stock because it's the biggest product that apple sells there's so much volume that like they don't have a choice but to ensure that there's going to be stuff but apple watch like we don't get exact sales numbers so it's hard to estimate but i can definitely tell you that it's probably less volume than even the ipad is 
but most of those are going to be the sport model, not the stainless model. So you've got a spread of multiple stainless skews, and then it's just like you're rolling the dice a lot more than if you're saying, I just want a 128 gigabyte black iPhone or whatever. I guess you're right, to be honest, right? That's what I can that's exactly what happened. And it's the I, lesson uh, to learn for next time. It is the lesson to learn for next time, exactly. Uh, and also, I think you're making it clear because right now, as a lot of the news was mentioning, if we talk a bit about the unboxing, is compared to mm, the Series Zero, where uh, the box was quite nice and plastic, uh, you felt that the box was also to leave the watch there in it when you were not using it. It was also the same box as the edition, but without the charging capabilities. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and now that's all gone. Also, the band is not included. Even with the stainless steel uh, gold, with the Milanese gold, it is two different boxes in the same like cardboard wrap. So it feels really, I don't know if people were speculating whether it means that you might be able to custom order which like which combination you want for maybe next year. Uh, at least it feels that packaging is prepared for this yeah i'm going to nitpick because it's technically not true that the band is not included it's just that they're bundled instead of being one box for both things oh yes exactly that's uh, i misspoke for that but yes the, the the best better word for this you're right is bundled and not included but uh compared to my series zero experience which the band was literally inside the same casing uh where the watch was uh this one is like you get the box, the typical, I think at that time, uh, it was a typical Apple Watch Sport casing, which is like elongated and not more of a square. And below it, you I get the same type of boxes if you were to get a band like off-end when you go to the Apple store. The long, like the thin one, the still same elongation, uh, but it just contains the specific and I still love that Series Zero box. Like, I still use it to keep my bands in and stuff. Oh, I should do that, maybe. I have a lot of bands now. I think I'm really, I'm pl- really planning to ask for a better case for all the bands. Maybe like kind of a, like a jewelry box, but for bands. Because yeah. I think I have like 15. But definitely try it with the Series Zero box first, because that's what I'm doing. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I should have tried that maybe when I had five or six. Now that I have like 10, 15. Mm, uh, yeah. I think that the bigger box, uh, especially now that Tony has a watch too, uh, we end up having a lot of bands. Uh, right now, I use a plastic uh, Ziploc bag and a couple of, uh, I think a year and a half ago, I bought uh, a Nomad watch band, which is all leather and it came in a nice kind of a jewelry case just for one band. Uh, so it's big enough to maybe have two or three. And usually that's right now, that's where I, I put it and the Milanese loop when I don't use Okay, uh, do you have any other comments about your uh, first impression with the watch when you received it, your process? I think for you it went as expected, like you did the online order at 3am and it arrived maybe I think two weeks after? It arrived on the day of release. I don't remember how long oh. it was, like a week later maybe? You know, it would be a week later if it arrived yeah. the day. So yeah. So Yannick had, uh, I'm sure Yannick will have a lot more to say than myself, but uh, I think from what we discussed uh, privately... Uh, I think our experience with the watch is a bit similar, but uh, we will see in this episode. So now let's move into uh, moving from an old watch to a new watch, because uh, that process was surprisingly easy to me. 
Yep. Uh, since it was the first time I had to migrate data from one watch to the other, uh, I was unsure how to really do it. Uh, I ended up uh, changing more uh, phones more frequently than the watches in the last few years. So, and for a couple of iOS releases, changing phone while keeping the same watch was kind of burdensome. It was hard to do. You had to make sure that you unpair it first so it back it up and then you back up your phone and then you transfer the backup to your new phone and while restoring your new phone in some reason it will ask you say oh i see your watch can you automatically transfer but before you need to then repair your watch make sure it goes through the all uh, like onboarding process now with ios 11 and 12 but i think this express setup was part of yes it was part of ios 11 the initial setup was super easy you turn on the watch you put it next to your phone the phone detects it ask you whether you want to you want to configure it as a new watch since uh, iOS 11 added multiple watch support or you want to restore it from backup you choose the preferred backup you put it on a charger you wait a couple of minutes because for the series 4 it's just a couple of minutes not hours like the series 0 and it is configured correctly the the one hiccup i had during the moving to the new watch was with the mac watch unlock which i use daily so the first time i had to do it it was super weird because let me check if it's still the case but the mac the first day i uh the first day i re switched the watch it realized that i had a new watch and it, it kind of didn't see but see it i think after a couple of maybe minutes while i was at work sitting next to it a notification popped to see to set it up but it was weird because in the section where you authorize it, I had the two, I had my old watch and my new watch, and they were in same, named the same way. So I was like, which one should I select? So I select both, and it didn't work. <laughs> so and select one, didn't work. Select the like, do the inverse, select the other one, still doesn't work. So I leave them both checked. Wait a couple of minutes. I think I went on when I they unlocking my password like an uh, my Mac computer like an animal, and after a couple of hours. Voila, it magically worked. How? I don't know. Why? I don't know. It just started to work. And then same thing happened when I unpaired the other one and deleted it. It took a couple of hours. And now if I look at uh, the security and confidentiality prompts in the setting, I only see, do you want to authorize your Apple Watch to unlock your Mac? And there's no watch I need to select. There's only this checkbox. The other weird, the other weird issue I've seen uh, that I think I might have seen, I don't think I've seen that with the Series Zero, but uh, I think it was last week. This the whole Mac Watch Unlock bugged down, and after eight hours, it drained my watch battery, which with the Series Four, when we'll talk about the hardware in a bit, uh, was like just crazy to me because the battery is so good. I don't want to spoil it too much, but the fact that it kind of I don't know what was the hardware or maybe the networking issue that happened. I also know that uh, these days at work, uh, the Wi-Fi is not ideal, not so great. Even my laptop is having issues with the Wi-Fi and I'm not the only one. So that might be caused by this. Uh, but it was it was quite uh, sad and disappointing to uh, be at work at like four trying to unlock your Mac. It doesn't work. And then look, you, I raised my wrist. I was like, oh, I'm on the green screen of shame because my battery is dead. Uh, I think I've ended up rebooting or maybe killing the Wi-Fi and stuff like that and putting the watch on a charger and then it like it solved itself and it seems to work 
quite uh, well from now on. But that's the two weird issue I had while to while I moved my watch and like with the usage of my watch uh, as I was using my Series Zero. That's uh, the two issues, and mainly the two issues were with Mac and the Apple Watch integration, which I'm not surprised, but still surprised. Cool. I did not carry over my backup. I started fresh on the new watch and mostly because I'm a crazy person who goes through every single menu option with a new OS release. And since I hadn't had... That's okay. You could just stop at I'm a crazy person. That's also true. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> since we were technically upgrading from watchOS 3 to 4, is that it? No, 4 to 5. 4 to 5, sorry. I'm getting old. Uh, since we're updating from 4 to 5, uh, there were a bunch of new things that I wanted to go check out in the settings menu. So if I'm going to be running through the settings menu anyway, I might as well just start it from scratch. Uh, so that's what I did. And it allowed me to experience defaults that I had forgotten were defaults because I had changed them as soon as they shipped on earlier versions of the OS. Uh, for example, like raising your wrist and having the now playing screen be the default when audio is playing. I had turned that off previously and now mm. it's the default on uh, this watch. So a lot of cool stuff. And besides like 95% of the apps on watchOS are just dumb clients to stuff on my phone. So I'm not losing anything by not restoring my backup. Like there's no data that actually lives on my watch aside from like maybe the last hour of health data, like big exaggeration here like that's more or less the data that hasn't propagated to my phone yet and probably it did so uh, i saw no reason to do the thing from a backup uh, i don't use the watch unlock thing on my mac mainly because i forgot it existed uh, yeah and you don't work on the mac daily right no a lot of the time my mac stays in sleep mode because i'm mostly using computers at work and i use ipads at home yeah i, I would say that uh, I I'm oh I'm sh completely sure that Touch ID would be better even if I use my no that would not be better because I use my laptop in clubs and role at work so that ah, would be better right but I feel to me that because I'm using my laptop a lot as a desktop uh, the fast unlock of the Apple Watch uh, unlocking the device is good enough uh, usually what happens is I I come back from the kitchen getting some more some more water I bash on the keyboard it does its thing and i'm already like drinking water and then the second i'm like turning back it's already unlocked on all my stuff so it feels to me that you don't really realize that it's doing it might be a bit slower than other authentication methods but it is way faster than you tapping your own password so basically it's like face id yeah yeah i would say that face id would be more uh like instant because you would look at it and unlock it uh, there, I need to do the interaction of bashing the keyboard first, uh, and then do something like to, for maybe a second or two, and then go back to work. Yeah, I, I imagine it's faster if you're using your laptop as a laptop, and you just open the lid, and then it would be faster that way, since you don't have to bash on the keyboard. No, when you do it this way, you, that's why you see the the small delay because you open, it's like a clack. Ah, uh, okay. You will have the you will have the time to just like I'm getting used to it now, so I'm like, ah, oh, okay. But, and it's really like the, the small hesitation I'm doing in my voice, it's more or less the uh, wait time you have to do in most uh, cases. All right, then. Good. Uh, and I, I think to go back to your point about the uh, health data, I don't think you're losing that much because if you do 
new watch then you end up with the two watch pair to your phone and then you unpair the old one i think while you unpair we'll do a backup and then transfer everything i still haven't unpaired my old watch <laughs> oh okay <laughs> okay no i did unpair my uh, my other watch and now it is like without any bands on my uh nightstand and i'm unsure what i need to do with it uh, i think i would like to maybe lend it to a family member that will want to try the apple watch but i never offered it to anybody so i guess that might happen during this uh holiday season that's pretty sadistic leaving someone with a series zero watch in 2018 that's true but at the same time like if somebody wants to experience the notification experience or maybe some of the uh alt experiences of the apple watch the uh, series zero is still good to that, but I guess we'll talk even uh, we'll talk about it even more when we talk about uh, the hardware and the performance. So let's start with hardware. Unless you have anything else to add about the uh, moving of the setup, nope. So hardware, I would like to talk about the size first. So uh, one of the big thing with those new watches was that they grew in size. I feel that when I went to the Apple Store to try them and put them on my wrist to compare that with the forty-two uh, and the forty-four. The change didn't feel too big, so it felt kind of natural to do it. After a month of wearing, I see that it is bigger. Like, I it feels bigger. Uh, of course, if you're listening to some of the popular tech podcasts in the last few uh, months, you might have heard some people mention that uh, there's some special rules to make sure that uh, the watch, if the band bends. 90 degrees it's on your wrist to go down it's too much it's too big the, the, the there's a lot of quote-unquote rules about it uh to define which watch size you should uh wear on the type on the size of wrist you are born with uh but in general i'm super happy to keep my band compatibility because i think it was uh to me it was one of the main features i needed i have so much and invested so much in different bands that I didn't want to change it, uh, but taking those technique and after a month, I would say that for my wrist size, 44 would be the big limit. I'm not a, like I've seen people, other colleagues at work or just people uh, around the world, just like wandering around the city where they wear big watch like 50, I don't, I don't know if it exists at 50 meters, but I've seen like big circle watch that are huge Um compared even to compared to the 44 millimeters so to me 44 millimeter especially in a square like what the apple watch or a square a squigglish a squarish or i don't know what they call it uh, the new like around the corner ish but uh all of this is is i can't really go bigger some people like like i said if you take those golden rules of wrist measurement versus watch size uh, some people might feel if they had my size wrist that it would be a bit too gig uh too big excuse me not too gig but I feel that it is at the upper limit. So maybe imagine if in a couple of years Apple goes and go from 44 to 46 or 48. I don't know what is the typical uh, millimeter size for watches after 44. Uh, but if they decide to go a bit bigger, I might be forced to then maybe look at the smaller size. Uh, do you have anything to say about uh, the bigger watch size? Uh, and you were a big proponent of the big, uh, the small watch. Uh, even when we got our Series Zero, you still got the uh, 40 millimeters. Anything else to say about that, or you've been pretty quiet about it? Uh, hmm. I mean, I know it's bigger, but it doesn't feel bigger. And 
That's the main thing is, um, well, part of that is also to blame on the software, and we'll talk about that later. But especially since I'm using the old school uh, watch faces, it it's very hard to tell the difference between my old watch and my new watch if I just like look at it very quickly. Uh, and you have to spend more time looking at it to actually notice that it's bigger and to notice what's different about it from the previous watch. I would say that's a com- that uh, that is a comment that applies to my experience too. Uh, on day to day, in the first few days when I got it, uh, its size would show not because of the casing, but really because of the screen that is more, it's closer to the edges, edge to edge. Let's put it this way, and that really shows and shines on the new models. It feels to me that where I define that I might be at my upper limit for watch size is really. Uh, after worrying for weeks, uh, I do feel that sometimes it is maybe, especially with the Milanese, because in general, uh, the Milanese is not uh, a good bracelet if you want a tight fit. So it, it loosens uh, on the day, and I don't mind adjusting, but sometimes the watch might go a bit more on the edge of my wrist, and then that's where I see it like, oh, it's not really on the edge, and now it's not like kinked at a 45 degree angle, uh, because it doesn't. it's not able to because of the bracelet to round up to the, the corner of my wrist. And that's in the cases where I see that, oh yeah, maybe 44 was not too big, but quite at, excuse me, at the limit of my wrist size. Not that I regret. I, I think it's important to mention that with everything I said is I don't regret not downsizing, but I wouldn't go bigger. The other thing I really appreciate about the uh, the larger screen is touch targets are bigger. And this was an issue that I found very much to be a problem on the 38mm, is that touch targets were freaking tiny, especially the keypad for the passcode when you wake oh, it up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't understand what you mean, but yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you do that phone unlock thing? No, no, I understand what you mean, but I, as you know, I use mine for uh, sleep tracking, so I, it's rarely... Oh, right, right, right. It. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, it, it's really useful to have those touch targets be bigger. And I feel like in general, there are much less frustrating moments where, and this also ties into performance to, to a certain degree, uh, you mistap on something and then you have to wait like 35 seconds for the watch to respond before you can actually <laughs> correct the mistake you did. Uh, now it's... yeah mistakes are much less frequent and if there is a mistake it doesn't take 35 seconds to correct it it takes maybe three seconds oh you know i understand what you mean uh yes the keyboard feels bigger even if you ignore my trolling about sleep tracking uh but i think uh that's uh, i don't want to go too much in detail because that's summing it up my my performance section but well we can use it to transition into performance because i oh well i do have one more note on hardware before and then we Uh, i do have a lot more notes about hardware notes we were only at size right we're only at size right now so okay well that's what i was wondering so we should move on to like the finish i guess maybe yes uh regarding size to uh the other thing that helps yes the watch is bigger uh but it feels to me thinner on the wrist and it's only an uh like we discussed in the uh in the previous episode when we're talking about the event it is really an optic illusion because the back plating of the apple watch is black and it goes more on the roundness of the corners so you feel that the watch is slimmer but it's it is not because beforehand i would see more stainless steel and now i see less because now if i look at it i see this 
the the sensor the 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 end of the ceramic packing coming back a bit on the corner and it it makes for a like a slicker look for the watch which i uh, quite love it especially for us because uh with the series zero we didn't see any increase nor a decrease of thickness it is more or less the same thickness uh, a lot of people that went from the in between uh, generation saw an increase of thickness and now they are happy to go back to what the series zero was but uh if you were rocking a series zero since day one like we were uh for you switching to the series four was more or less same thickness so you get all the advantages of the latest generation like gps like cylinder at the same thickness level as series zero I want to quickly talk about the bends because, like I said, I finally bought a Milanese loop. Uh, since the introduction of Milanese loop and after trying it the first time uh, during the uh, App Store, Apple Watch kind of a reservation presentation, like where you reserve a, maybe a 10-minute spot with an Apple Store employee and they would showcase the Apple Watch, they would let you wear the Apple Watch, let you try a lot of bends, I felt in love with the Milanese loop. Uh, and it is... A pretty and B comfortable. I was a bit worried that with kind of the uh, magnet end uh, that it would end up uh, maybe a bit at the bottom of my wrist so that would make it a bit uncomfortable to type all day but uh, no it's really comfortable even as a bracelet that I need to wear while typing compared to uh, the leather one I was referring a bit earlier in the episode which has a, a big a buckle which makes it quite uncomfortable for me to wear a daily, especially at work, because I need to type and it creates pressure in, on my wrist. So uh, at this point, I like in the last month, I would say that I wear my Melanie's loop half of the time. Yes, oh yes, after the time, because I think I just switched back to uh, the first Pride band uh, at the beginning of this week. And before that, I was rocking the Melanie's loop since i got the watch of course uh there's an obvious exception uh which was uh, when i'm sleeping i love to fall back to nylon on the sport bands while i sleep because uh, metal is a bit uh, uncomfortable uh in the bed when you sleep and you might end up with a bad wrist the next morning since you so your band your included band was one of the sport one right right it's the cream sport band i believe something like that oh true yeah, yeah. so for you it's not really a new band experience because you've used to the sport band and if i recall correctly that's most of what you have yeah i have like th- well two and a half sport band like i i have the black one that came with my old stainless i have the cream one that came with this one and i have the nike plus sport band which is what i'm wearing right now and it's the only band i've worn on this watch okay and but that's uh but that's the only three bands you have right no i have a nylon band uh oh the teal one the first ones that came oh, out yeah, yeah. Okay, problem is they get really dirty and they're impossible to clean so i don't wear it anymore oh yeah mine uh, too i apple doesn't suggest that you clean them my trick is not to listen to apple and soak them in water soapy water yeah that didn't so, work oh i saw i uh, there i wouldn't say the color are as pop uh they don't pop as when they were new but at least it a doesn't smell and b uh, got some dirt out of them I brush them a little bit with uh, some, uh, maybe not a, bru- a toothbrush, but something like soft as that uh, to remove the uh, some of maybe like some pen marks and stuff like that. Uh, and it does help 
to make those uh, nylon bands like stay clean let's put it this way maybe not look as new as when they were new but at least stay clean because i love the nylon bands especially the pride one well my issue with it is that there's just a section of it that looks like it's constantly wet except it's not wet and that's what i can't get rid of so it just like it's technically clean but it doesn't look right because there's like either discoloration or there's this patch of like stuff that looks wet so i'm like eh, i don't want to wear that yeah i can understand yeah and i think that's um i think that's that's a good advantage of the plastic let's call it plastic even if some people apple might hate me because i call them plastic but that's a good advantage of the sport band uh like they don't show that much wear you can see a bit of discoloration like where the loop goes under and uh because of friction but in general, they don't tend to show wear. Or if they show dirtness, they are quite easy to clean. Uh, nylon bands usually are the ones that you need to replace after a couple of months. If you wear them every day or maybe a couple of years. Uh, if you're taking good care of them. But they're like kind of a usable band, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And I really appreciate the holes in the Nike Plus sport band. Which is why I stick with this one over the other ones. Uh, especially during the summer, there's a lot less sweat that gets trapped under there if you have the holes for the air to go through. So that's my recommendation for the bands. I, I'm not necessarily opposed to getting fancier bands. It's just that I don't really have opportunities to wear them much. And everybody knows that the band that I would want the most is a Hermes band, (laughs) which are expensive as shit. So there you go. Yeah. You're back on the Hermes bands. Uh, a quick comment about uh, not having occasion to wear them. Uh, I was a bit afraid of getting the Milanese loop because of this. And when I realized that it was comfortable, like super comfortable to wear daily even while I was programming, that was amazing. But also, even at work, I received a lot of great comments saying, like, wow, that it is really nice. It fits really well. And also a lot of people were like me saying, oh, I heard about the gold watch. I was a bit uh, like I was eager to see it in person. Uh, the pictures look nice, but I was uh, maybe afraid or I would like to have seen it in person, which they did on my wrist, because they were also feeling that it might be a bit too shiny. And then when they saw it, they said, oh, no, even with the if you get the Milanese loop, too, it, it feels good. It's not too shiny in your face gold. So, uh, yes, it got a little, of, uh, a little bit of positive attention at work. Cool. Good. Last category uh, in about hardware itself is battery life. Uh, wait, I wait, wait, to... wait, 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 oh. wait. We haven't talked about the finish on these watches at all. Okay, I'm not sure what you want to talk about the finish, but let's go. Let's talk about the finishes. Well, I- I'm just bringing it up because the thing I get the most comments about about my watch is, wow, that gold looks really good on the Apple Watch. And... Hmm. My mom says it like almost every time she sees my watch and a lot of other people have mentioned it to me. Like it's a gold that reads as gold without reading as tacky or as like real gold because that would be even scarier. Uh, (laughs) it, It just like I've gotten a lot of positive compliments where like people were like, let's admit that I'm not necessarily in the most techno-centric place in the world. So people are generally surprised when they see someone wearing an Apple Watch here. Mm -hmm. But I never had comments about like a specific aspect of my watch. I always had comments like, oh, an Apple Watch, whatever. But now I'm specifically getting comments about the gold on my watch, which I find interesting. 
Yeah, okay. It's, uh, it, it does directly relate to the comment I just made about uh, the combo of the... Maybe because I have the Milanese loop, like it, people realize it more, and that's true. Beforehand, the comments I got was mainly about uh, the Apple Watch itself. But no, yes, people are quite loving the gold, I would say. Uh, yeah. So that's my uh, non-scientific uh, surveys about that. Uh, there's no statistics to on that, but a lot of people like like ask me and like, oh, it's nice, the new watch you got, and yes, it's the new Apple Watch, it's gold. Like, oh yeah, the gold looks good. Yes, I heard the same comments. But the other thing I want to mention about it is that I feel that as the user of the watch, I don't feel the gold as much as I feel people who are looking at my watch from the outside are feeling the gold. Because if I look at it, I just see like shiny surface, like very shiny surface, and I can barely tell it's gold. I I know it's gold, but I can barely tell the difference between the gold watch on my wrist and the stainless steel one on my wrist. Whereas if I look at it from the opposite perspective, it reads a lot more like gold. Okay, I see what you mean. Uh, I do see that mine is gold. So to me, uh, I see a distinction even as the wearer of it between the normal one and the gold one for the stainless steel models. And I I like it even, I like it quite better than the stainless steel one nowadays. Uh, But yes, it has a good presence on people's wrists. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I just feel like the shine of it makes the gold stand out less than... I thought it would, basically, and that it reads better from another point of view than the one of the user. But maybe I'm just colorblind or something. I don't know. No, uh, I, the, the the I think the, your description of the present uh, the presence is as on your wrist is I am complete agreement of it. Yeah, that was my interruption for the. Mm, for that was the, a good one. Yeah, because the goal is gold, and the more we talk about it, the more I love it. <laughs> Uh, last hardware category, uh, uh, I guess we could talk about performance, but I want to talk about performance and app at the same time. Yep. So last time, last thing about hardware itself is battery life. Uh, like I mentioned in this episode and previous episode, I am a strong user of sleep tracking. Uh, I use sleep tracking mainly to just get me uh, like, did I sleep well last night? Should I maybe think about sleeping better next day? More or less like just tracking this. I know there's... Uh, varying degree of like science backing behind those but it feels to me more of like a i get more data so i know to make sure that i need to be uh, wary of my sleep or take a closer look at it but the battery life of course the series zero was uh three years and a half so i had uh i was at that point where to do sleep tracking i would need to charge it twice so I- imagine that uh I would put it on the charger when I wake up. I would go prepare my day uh, in the morning, so breakfast, shower, all that stuff. I would take it out of the charger. Uh, I would put it on the char- back on the charger when I was about to go to bed, so maybe around like this time, like around 9 or 10, put it maybe an hour on the charger. The Maybe last hour I was awake because at that time it was maybe around 30, 35% already, which is quite low. Uh, and then I would last uh, the whole night. Uh, I would not make sure that it's fully charged, but at least it goes back into the uh, 60, 45, uh, 55, 60% of battery uh, usage left uh, to make sure I can go through the night doing my sleep tracking. And then in the morning, it is where I would do make sure that I have a full like battery charge or close to uh, 95% battery charge. 
Now with the Series 0, of course, you get a new watt, a new battery. I think in the last few generations, the battery life improved by quite a lot because I've seen what I'm seeing right now. Tony saw it with his new Series 1 uh, when he got it a couple of months back. But I can tell you for sure that I can get, I'm not, I'll say two days, but I really mean 48 hours of battery life. And it is not constant users, but since I'm doing sleep tracking, it is kind of not though the auto sleep doesn't do back on processing so it's but at least the all of the motion uh like motion sensors uh some of the whole processing of tracking of events of health is still running uh in the background because you are wearing the watch so it does that by default and that's what the app i use auto sleep uh, relies on and all of this health data that is uh, generated every time you want you wear the watch question so, do yes. you use theater mode when you're sleeping I do use theater mode and then we discussed that a lot in previous episode too. Because remember, uh, after a couple of months starting to do uh, sleep tracking, I was reporting that my race to wrist, race to, race to wake up, the, the, the wrist detection thing yeah. that I'm miss, uh, missing right now. Uh, the race to wake. Race to wake. Thank you. That's the one I was trying to say. The race to wake was getting quite uh, confused. So it would wake up while my wrist was lightly moving, and then it, I would do the like accelerate the gesture of raising my wrist. It wouldn't wake up. So when they introduced uh, theater mode, it did help greatly from what I've seen. Okay. And also what I realized too with the series four, and I'm not sure if it was only excluding the series zero from before. So I watch OS five's feature, but watch. Uh, no, theater mode will limit the brightness level more than what I was seeing on my Series 0, which is uh, quite nice during the night if I'm need if i about to go to sleep and I just put theater mode earlier. I can, I can, I'm not getting like blind because of the brightness, the normal brightness of the Apple Watch. I have not noticed a difference at all when using theater mode with brightness. The moment when I realized the brightness is when I forgot to turn it back on and it is like still stuck at minimum brightness the next morning. Huh. And the second I turn turn it off because I forgot, sometimes I, I just like forget to turn it back off. Yeah, that And makes I go sense. like, I'm on like midway to work in the subway. I'm like, what's my progress on over? Oh, I can't see on my screen. <laughs> yeah. uh, or I race, to w- I, I race to wake and it doesn't do it because the remote. I'm like, oh, crap. So at that time, I the screen to wake it up and then sometimes that's where i realize that brightness is brightness is not adjusting and it feels to me because it might be less aggressive on adjusting brightness because you know they're you know they know that you're in a quote-unquote theater so they don't want to bring out the brightness to the roof because you woke up uh the watch manually by tapping on the screen or pressing one of the buttons so that's where i saw it the most and i sort of saw it to see it with the series 4 more permanently Hmm, that's weird. I've really not noticed anything, but well, I'll keep looking, I guess. But yeah, so all this to say, I use theater mode. So usually what happens is uh, do not disturb triggers around. I forgot, I put it later these days, but I think it's midnight. So these days, because I put it at midnight, I think I usually swipe up to go to control center, enable uh, both do not disturb and theater mode. Oh, I think it's uh, 11.30, so whatever but uh, i make sure that both of them are uh, turned on for the night so i don't get too much disturbed and i go on with my 
night. So I tried doing sleep tracking when I got this watch. Like I, I was never confident enough to do it on Series Zero because my battery life was already pretty bad. And I had heard a lot of people talking about auto sleep and all that stuff. So I decided to give it a shot when I first got my watch. And I had to give up after like a, the first week because it wasn't working out for me at all. Uh, the battery was dying in the middle of the day. Um, and like the sign that I'm doing something wrong is that my battery is dying, right? So it means I have to be charging my watch more. But I don't want to charge my watch more because I want to use my watch. So I just gave up on it and I was like, screw this. I'd rather just have the basic data from auto sleep which it measures the time between I take off my watch and the time that I put it back on, which is good enough for me because I put it back on as soon as I get, I wake up in the morning, right? So it yeah, does it the same task and it doesn't cost me the pain of having to not wear my watch as much as I would like. Yeah, what I like when you wear the watch is what I like is also you get this uh, notion of uh, what, what are you doing deep sleep? And I know you can do that with your phone too. I'm doing it with a watch. Uh, it's kind of the next point i would like to know whether i was like oh this point it's weird i feel kind of not refreshed after my night of sleep and i realized yes sir yeah according to auto sleep i didn't go into too much deep sleep for this night so captain obvious so that's why i like to wear it to get this data and hopefully uh if one day i need to maybe like go late to bed because either personal stuff or i need to work on nice projects uh and then, then the next morning i know i have a meeting at like 8 39 then at least I can uh, watch that. Watch out for that. The other thing that's pretty weird about auto sleep that I'm going to mention is I was sick on Tuesday, uh, so I stayed home and I slept from like the time I would have gone to work, like eight o'clock until twelve thirty, because I had put my watch on before going to take the nap. Then it got confused and it was like, oh well, you only slept slept like three hours and a half because it thought oh. my nap was my sleep time, and I was like, oh okay, sure, whatever. Um, yeah. Which so it's could... not perfect, but it would have been more perfect if I had just worn my watch the whole time. But again, like I find it to be a worse experience for me as the user of my watch to not be wearing my watch all the time I'm awake than to have the data and have to charge it throughout the day. So that is unfortunately my compromise. Maybe Apple can figure something out to put in the next watch that does yeah. sleep tracking for reals. But in the meantime, it's too much of a compromise for me to actually bother with it. I'm curious to know what are what are you doing with the watch during the day? Like, are you using apps? Because to me, let's say like my let's look. I think I put it on the charger. Yeah. So right now it's like nine thirty, and my watch was removed from the charger this morning around seven when I woke up. And no, I woke up around seven. I put it on the charger and I removed it from the charger around nine because it was today is the day that I'm charging it, and it's at seventy five percent right now. So I would expect that maybe uh after tomorrow morning when i wake up i'll be around 50 percent and then i will be able to do a full day i don't use the watch too much i really more 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 or less glance at it i would use it to uh use overcast but i'm eager to see if i'm curious to see if you do more than what i'm just describing so right now i'm on 68 percent battery so i think the the watch size does like account for the difference that we have mm -hmm. between our battery lives I just get really annoyed when I hear a phone vibrate. When I hear a phone vibrate, I want to throw it at the fucking wall. It drives me insane. My brother has an Apple Watch. He never fucking wears it. 
it's maddening. Whenever I'm <laughs> at my parents' place, I hear his phone vibrate. I'm like, where your goddamn Apple Watch? That's what it made for. It's made to keep me peaceful inside. Oh my goodness. I'm sure we can have a, we can have a whole episode about this topic. And because we had this topic recently at work, we're talking about people not, not, not putting their phone on silence at work. And What's maddening is my brother is a trucker, right? So he left for two yes. weeks. He left his Apple Watch on the charger because he forgot to put it on. I'm like, how can you forget to put it on? It's the most <laughs> important part of the day because then your phone doesn't vibrate. I don't understand. The the worst the worst person we had in the office, and sad to say, but it's, it's uh, mean to say, but this person uh, was fired. <laughs> but that person was... Do you recall what was the ding the Apple Watch does by default? Yes. The ding! Yep. This person will leave it on for all notification. <laughs> so you were in a meeting with that person, it will, it will be like, ding! Ding! All the time! Seriously, you would just like want to punch the guy's face and then throw his Apple Watch like outside the window to make it shut up. You know, the only time I've ever heard that ding is in Apple Watch review videos because I turned <laughs> everything to silent as soon as I got my watches. Yes, me too. Yeah. I, th- I think that's why we're so zen. Well, yeah. Well, when people actually wear their Apple Watch, yes, I can be zen for a brief moment. But um, yeah, it, it's maddening, which is why I try to keep my watch on my on my body at all times. Because otherwise, I'd get furious in an instant, and you don't want that. Maybe I have anger problems. Maybe I don't. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be honest with myself. I know I have some sometimes anger problems. So that's okay. I know it. Mm, okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk performance? Uh, yes. Uh, was that it about hardware and the dings? Yes. Good. Uh, I think the, that's my last section about the watch. So I'm, I'm not sure if you add more comments, but the last section is performance and applications. Seriously? Oh my goodness. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure if I had updated earlier, I would say the exact same thing because the series zero is slow as fuck. Like, literally, like super uber slow. Like, yep. when Yannick mentioned, like, you make a mistake on the keypad, it takes 35 seconds to kind of catch up you're a little bit exaggerating because sometimes it literally takes 30 seconds to just say, oh, your password was wrong. It's like, seriously? No, no, no. I've never had those issues with, like, password entry, but if I accidentally, like, tap an icon to an app that I did not want to launch, I can't do anything about it for 35 seconds. Yeah, it's worse than the app, so I thought you a bit exaggerating with the pin lock, the pin unlock. Well, I, but... I didn't mention that specifically, so... Right, right, but uh, maybe you were mentioning it about the keypad and the buttons. Size. Just the That's size, yeah. Yeah, but still, like, performance of... So, I'm not using... So, problem number one, I'm not a big user of apps, but that will... I want to discuss about it, but <laughs> the apps I use daily, which are, of course, Overcast that came back to me because we lost it for a couple of weeks Yeah. because of Apple Watch... Uh, Watch OS Series 4. Uh, sorry, Watch OS 4, excuse me. My goodness. Watch OS 5. Yes, but we lose it because I was stuck on WatchOS 4. Oh, That's right, right, correct. Yep. So for a couple of weeks, I was stuck on the default now playing screen, which for podcasts is not ideal. Uh, I'm not an Apple podcast user, but I hope that Apple is providing a now playing screen customized for Apple podcasts on the watch because a now playing screen is not ideal. Really optimized for uh, music. But every time, like, there was apps I wanted to try, and I have a bigger topic about it, but every time it was like just loading a calendar event because I'm like 
in which room because we have long meeting room names so sometimes it like it's all truncated uh so it's like which room are we and then you like tap on your calendar event and it takes like 30 seconds like you just said to load the fucking calendar event and that time i can just open my laptop go in the calendar app look at it close it back wait for it to shut down like to go and really sleep with and wait for it all the fans to slow down and make sure that everything is cooled down before the watch has loaded the app that's like it was maddening at the end i made it work and i think that's one of the reasons why i moved away from sleep plus plus to auto sleep because as auto sleep its name suggests it does automatic automatic sleep tracking of course i think in the last uh six to eight months uh underscore david smith added automatic sleep tracking in sleep plus plus but before it was you had to start it manually yourself before going to bed and be, uh, when you wake up and just loading the app and to be honest his app were quite good on the watch uh, and even if it was optimized for performance they were still slow dogs they were like super slow which is not something i see right now with the series 4 like everything is super fast super fluid i never see any hiccups when i try to unlock the watch uh you see the buttons react instantly to your touch events uh I have a lot of watch faces that I like to switch depending on what I do during the day. If I'm at work, if I'm at home, or if I'm in the mood of seeing the jellyfish, or if I'm in the mood of seeing pictures, which, funnily enough, was killing the battery life on the Series Zero, which seems to not be seems to be not that bad on Series Four. Same thing with the Series Watch Face, which. Uh, oh God, the Series Watch Face on Series Zero is terrible. It was terrible. Yes uh so yes uh so swiping from like one f- watch face to the other on series zero it was like just crazy it was a right slideshow uh, yeah, yeah but it was a, yes it was literally, you swipe you wait 10 seconds it will do it uh it was good after you unlock it and you wait a bit it was good to do maybe like the one to the left and the one to the right right uh fast but after that it was like just slow down yeah uh compared to right now like i'm like i'm having fun while I'm describing what I'm doing right now on my wrist, and it is just like buttery smooth. Same if you want to show or show or hide both notifications, notification center or control center, those are instant. They're super fast, super fluid, and this is a big. It's refreshing. Like I was, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Apple Watch, even the like the series zero but not the series zero at, at its hardware i'm a big fan of the apple watch and having a smart watch but in the last six months of owning my apple's uh, my series zero i was impatiently waiting for a new update to it some might say that i could have maybe updated with the series three uh because of this kind of mid-generation it was launched like like i said it was it is two years and a half old at this point the series zero because it was launched in april and then all of the other updates came into september so the series zero lasted for 18 months uh, that's why it made it a bit longer and that's why i really wanted to watch to wait for the series four when it was announced yeah um like i mentioned i don't really use other apps so we discussed a lot about the current purpose of an apple watch uh as you may have heard in this podcast or in a lot of other podcasts and reviews and discussion about the Apple Watch itself. 
uh when it got introduced in 2015 it was a bit of a shit show and it was apple was unsure about what they really wanted uh for the apple watch it was notification for your on your wrist it was fitness which i shouldn't say fitness on that on that tone nowadays uh it was also some kind of friends up something communication with friends i don't know yes uh and you add apps so there was those four pillars uh as you can hear in the tone in my tone of voice two of them were really not well defined by apple at that time one completely died the next os update literally yeah. The, do you remember the crown, the 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 dock button that was not dock button, but was the circle of your friends? That was quite weird. Yeah. Now the dock button is the dock button, and you've seen in the last few years that people like devs, and you hear a lot if you follow dev Apple dev news, you hear a lot of the struggles that the iOS dev endure while developing for the Apple Watch, which then means that. On though up out out of those four pillars that I just mentioned, what shines the most right now is Apple is throwing money at the fitness problem, and it shows. I think right now the Apple Watch is maybe one of the best smartwatch fitness devices, uh, and it could even beat some dedicated fitness like you wear fitness devices. I'm not too big in fitness, so I don't want to speak too much about it. But from what we've been seeing in the reviews, I've been watching of people that were using dedicated fitness hardware before are now loving the Apple Watch. In notification, the friend up zone died after a year, not even, and uh, apps are kind of hit and miss. There's amazing apps. Uh, I mentioned one, like if you love podcasts, Overcast is a good client on the phone and also on the watch. Uh, but that's mainly what I have on my phone, to be honest. Uh, on my watch, excuse me. If I try to go back to my list, I don't have that much, no. Looking quickly at it, clack, clack, clack. All of the apps I have are, yes, they are Apple Apple provided apps, except Overcast. And it seems that I left installed one of my, one of the apps I use when I go racing, even if the racing season is uh, done and I didn't have the watch for this racing season. So the day to, on the day-to-day, I end up mainly using Apple built apps and if you've listened to what apple watch developer says watch kit is for them one of the big reasons why apps are maybe not as great as they could be there's also some people that are tinkering with watch uh, they have demonstrated that apple has access to a full ui kit framework that you have access on ios on tvos that Apple right now is keeping for themselves for the watch and also shows in the way that the APIs are developed for watch kit for to build apps. It feels that Apple is not really dog fooding their own APIs because they have UI kit for the Apple watch and not using watch kit. So I like to read a lot about people using different apps on the Apple watch because it's good. I like what I do with the Apple watch. Like I like to read my calendars. I like to see my notifications. It's a good, like, it has a good podcast app, which is one of the main things I do with it. But sometimes I feel that if I think about the big idea I had when I bought my first Apple Watch, I feel that right now there's, like, it, there's some stuff that is missing, but I'm not sure what I'm missing. 
I love the notification, making sure like at a quick glance, like should I take out my phone? Can I reply? I start to use more series and start to use more like the uh, the custom notification or even miss the message app, uh, the message app because now it's more fluid, more performant. But I still feel that I could, should be able to do more with one more watch, but I can't because of the platform. That's maybe the uh, the only part where it's left. It leaves a small of a small bad taste in my mouth. I feel I should be able to do more, but I'm not sure if it's because I'm not I'm not exploring that much with uh what is available right now, or it is really because there's not that much available. I think the best example I can compare to it is when this week you were mentioning uh, privately that you were helping your dad try uh, do some automation on iOS because he had ideas of stuff he wanted to automate with possibly shortcuts. And then you realize that A, it couldn't be done with shortcuts, but it could, but it's unclear or it's like it's on the limit of what can be, but uh, like users like your dad feel that it should be available on iOS. I feel more or less the same is I feel that I think what I want more is on the limit of what's currently available, but I feel it should be there already. So it leaves me in a strange place. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, the problem is that Apple burned developers too many times with regards to the watch that now nobody is willing to update their watch again. Like they had to develop apps for, well, they didn't have to, but a lot of people developed apps for watchOS 1, which ran entirely on the phone. And then they changed the process model for watchOS 2, where the apps actually ran on the watch. Uh, and then uh, they needed to update their watch for the Series 3 so that their apps could function entirely offline on the cellular thing. And there, every year you had like a major change more or less to how watchOS apps were expected to behave that after one or two transitions and that the performance wasn't great on the original watch that shipped, people just got tired and they dismissed the Apple Watch as an app platform, which I think is unfortunate because there are a lot of potential things that could happen on the watch that aren't here. Uh, I think messaging apps should all be on Apple Watch if they can. Um, right now, Line has one. Messenger has one. Both of their apps are bad in different ways. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Does the Line one has changed from the... Because I remember having it installed maybe in the watchOS 2 and watchOS 3 days, and it was really bad. Is it more or less the same app since those days? It's a lot better, but it still has a hard time syncing your uh, last read position. Okay. Which is a problem because, like, I'll launch the app and then I'll see your name and it has, like, 68 unread messages next to it. But I know I'm just, like, interested in the last three, so I have to scroll all the way down. I would say that uh, sometimes I see that even with the iOS one, but it was like, it feels to me it's a, a kind of a synchronization issue in the background between the Mac, like, last read position and the iOS one. Because I see notification, I open the app, and then it, you see, oh, I'm there, and it jumps. Because it, it downloads the new messages that it knew it was there, but it was not there, but they saw the badge. So maybe it's something about line. I'm just saying that like this, but I've seen that. Right. Well, it, in my case, I'm never on the PC app. I'm always on the phone app and mm. the watch app. So okay. yeah, hard to debug what's going on there. I think it's just like not syncing un, uh, unread state until you actually launch the app. But it's syncing the new messages because it does so via push notifications or whatever. Right, um, right. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, but I, I wish all the messaging apps were there. I wish all the to-do managers were on the watch. Uh, 
because that is another thing that's great to just like tick off things. I wish Siri was more useful, like cool running gag of the show, right? But <laughs> it's true. This device could be so much more if Siri was actually useful. It's not most of the time. And one of the things I find unfortunate is back when Siri shortcuts was still workflow, uh, you could have the workflow widget on, uh, not the workflow widget, the workflow complication on your watch face, and you could launch any workflow from your watch face. This was awesome. This doesn't exist anymore with Siri shortcuts. You have to do it via Siri or wait for it to show up on the Siri watch face, which might be never. Uh, so you had some leeway to actually automate certain things that were un impossible to do via apps on the watch before. And now that functionality is just gone because there's not even a shortcuts app or anything on the watch. You just have to call it via Siri, which is kind of a pain because you can't do that in all contexts necessarily. I don't know. I have a lot of ideas of pet projects of watch apps that I would want to write, but I have very little hope that other developers are actively working on getting stuff working on Apple Watch, and that makes me sad because I know there's a lot of potential in this platform, but developers have been burned so many times that basically like Apple needs to ship you iKit for people to actually like forgive them. Like give us the tools that actually work. I think at this point, I think so. Like if they continue to invest with the current technologies they have for development, I think, yes, they're exposing more functionality. I think right now the, the last few ones was like uh, background audio apps was the big one for iOS 5. WatchOS 5. It feels to me that, yes, WatchOS 5, oh my goodness. But it feels to me at this point that for people to maybe gain, like bring back their trust into WatchOS itself and the development platform that it should be, uh, you're right. UI native UI kit direct access to on the watch is what it will need. Yeah, because like if we look right now, even with the new watch, which right now I switch from uh, so from modular to infograph modular, uh, which is really useful for the bigger screen because it has more complicated one more complication and it uses the space better. Like it, the new complication style. That it has, um, especially when I'm using uh, Apple Weather, the Apple Weather app, and it has the min and max value for the weather, and then there's a dot on the on the edge of the circle that moves to show the current value. Like those new complications are super nice, but some of them that are specifically used for the Series Four that are only available on two new the two new watch faces, the developer needs to implement it. Yeah, and there is no like conversion layer from the old data to the new data. And also what I've heard that a lot of the complication API is still based on time travel. If you remember what time travel was. Which is discontinued, by the way, everyone. Oh, it is now uh, gone from watchOS 5? Yes. Wow. So, yeah. It was like turned off for a while because it, you had to turn it on in settings. But if you remember, time travel was a functionality where you would scroll with your crown and it would give you future data and past data of your complication but now what happens is the api doesn't change if now it is gone of watch os last time i look you had to provide like here's the data for the next few hours yeah yeah because there was no like background refresh and all that stuff so you had to precede it with the information so that it could show up yeah and then it would wake you up again say like oh what's the new data for this yep and then you would do oh no this is gone this is you would more or less do the diff yep. that's the and 
all of this limitation is because Apple is moving so fast, they didn't really know what they wanted to do with Apple Watch. And it's sad because now that they are focusing on two big pillars, which is notification and fitness, I think fitness developers are quite happy with what Apple is doing with WatchKit. I'm sure they would like UIKit direct access, but they were the one that benefited the most in the past few years because Apple did a full one in fitness and realized that they had something there. It feels to me that they could do that with apps and bring it back to apps and maybe focus on apps to make it better. But the willingness on Apple seems to be more or less there. But I don't want to say missing, but they give you a nugget and then you ask for you ask for five like last year, but you only give one that was not part of your list. That's the feeling I got is developer ask for stuff. Now and with Watch OS Fine, they got stuff to make the watch better. It makes better uh, Watch OS apps, but we'll see what the future reserves because I do hope that uh, developers will get more tools to get more apps. And maybe I could even, like, I don't have that much ideas right now. Uh, some of the stuff I want are already there, but I'm not sure about the, like, if it fits what I'm describing. So maybe I'll end up coding one of those. And I'm not in the in the mood where I want to code on the watch OS because of what everything I heard seems really a pain in the butt to do development on watch OS these days. I think it's pretty fun to develop on watch OS, but I'm not doing anything that tries to push the boundaries of the platform. And I think that's the thing is that mm. a lot of people are trying to push the boundaries of what the platform is capable right now. And I think that's a bad idea. Um, hmm. Okay. And like one of the hacks that made the workflow extension really cool is that it actually abused of time travel because you could scroll through the list of your workflows with the digital crown if you had time travel enabled, which was really cool. So you could have like six workflows right on your uh, thing and you just scrolled the digital crown until you found the one you want and you pressed on it. So it was brilliant. Why did you kill it, Apple? It was so good. Oh, that's nice. The other note I would add is... I feel like I do a lot less on my Apple Watch. It doesn't mean I appreciate it less, but um, a lot of the stuff I was doing on my watch previously has moved to my Amazon Echo Assistants. And before the HomePod was a thing, uh, I think there was a Phil Schiller statement that said like, oh, well, the most important uh, assistant is the one that's always on you, uh, which basically implies like you don't need a cylinder in your home because your Apple Watch has Siri on your wrist at all times. And that works great if it works in a timely manner and works reliably. And as we've said many times on the show, sometimes it fails at both of those things. And the primary thing that I was getting frustrated with for uh, the Series Zero watch was it took forever to just do a stupid timer. Like, I just need a four and a half minute timer. And more often than not, Siri would understand it as foreign and a half minute timer. And it would be like, I have no idea what that is, but I have a web search on your phone. Cool. Uh, so now I would have to repeat it and enunciate correctly all while I also have to wait for the damn thing to say like, oh, I'll ping you when I'm ready. Uh, and then it does that and maybe it's not even right again, right? Uh, I, so I have a funny story about Siri Zero and Siri. Okay. Uh, I'm unsure and I'm seriously unsure if my microphone was broken or if Siri was so slow that with all the delays, it was waiting on itself. If waiting you see what I mean. Like, like it was like so long for it to trigger, tell me like, oh, you can talk now. 
<laughs> that it would like kind of time out. Oh, nice. So I, I was never sure if it was my microphone that was broken or that it was just timing out because it was so slow. That's weird. But yeah, yeah. Like, those things, they naturally gravitated towards uh, my echoes, especially now that I have one in every room because now I can just like call out to it at every time. And more often than not, when I'm not at the house, I don't want to talk to my devices because I'm out somewhere. And it would be mm. weird to talk to your devices in public. Uh, so I'm fine with moving all of that to the echoes. It just means that Siri has less of a purpose on my watch and I do less on my watch because of it. But at the same time, like the, like I said, like it gives me so much peace of mind to not have to hear my goddamn phone vibrate that it's worth like a very high price. As you can see from the fact that I paid a thousand dollars for the stupid watch. Yes. And I add a long charade and tirade about uh, apps on watchOS. Yeah. This does not downplay my love for it and all of the other usage I have. Like the fact that I have like quick glance of information. Yes, I might want more. And there's a reason why I want more because what I have access right now is so valuable that of course I want more information available at a glance. So I have a secret confession. I think that getting rid of glances was a bad idea. Oh, I forgot what glances was. Glances were the thing where you could swipe through full screen widgets for each of your apps. Oh yeah, but it was kind of the the what is the dock now? Yeah, except nobody puts anything useful that can be used from the dock. More often than not, you have to like click down in a navigation stack to actually see something that's useful. Yeah, right now, as far as I can see, the dock is more or less my list of uh, recent apps. Yeah, which is not useful. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I had more useful information available at all times when I had glances. And yes, there were limitations to glances, and I'm fully aware of that. But I think, like, I would only need one watch face if I could just swipe between glances instead of watch faces. Um, but right now, like, if I want to have all of the stuff, I need to have complications on multiple watch faces and swipe between them and whatever. And it, even then, like, the complications might not show as much detail as a glance would be able to show because it would be able to take over the whole screen. Like, I, I think that was a great idea. And I think the idea of replacing it with a dock was great in theory. But then all of the apps went to shit at the same time. And then we had nothing to put in our dock that was actually useful. And so we ended up losing on stuff instead of gaining okay so i had bad memory so i was uh i didn't remember what was glances and now that i look at it it's like oh yes i remember it was they were kind of mini widget yeah that i think they were replacing the control center gesture now yes. because i see the console gesture so did you you were on your yeah yeah you were swapping up yes now i recall like i was couple of shots yes they were more or less the equivalent of the widget screen on your phone right now or Google Now cards or yes. stuff in the Siri, Siri uh, watch face, which I find to be bad. Yeah, I, like I said, I. Is it in my list of. I'm scrolling right you now. You mentioned it earlier, but. Yes, it is there. Now I see it, and uh, but I realize that I'm not really using it. It's not I, good. So that's why you're not using it. <laughs> yes, but I wanted to give it another try now that I have a, be a better performance watch. But I realized I just put it in the carousel of watch faces and never swipe to it. So Yeah, hmm. you should try using it as your main one for a day and then you'll see why you're not doing that regularly because it's useless. Since I like with the Series Zero, 
ignoring the performance, since I was mainly using Apple apps, it was not that useless. Mm. Because I had my calendar event, I had weather, all that stuff. But, and you had quick access to Overcast because it was a now playing app, which was a more or less a glance in it. Yeah. So all of that stuff was good after we tried. I think that will be my own work on my own episode to try the Siri Watchers. Good. So uh, that was it. I didn't have much else to say about apps. I do hope that Apple uh, will get more stuff uh, next year and hopefully not more stuff on top of WatchKit. We need maybe a different thinking about how to develop apps uh, and hopefully more possibilities for app developers. Uh, and maybe as a homework number two, I should maybe try to have a quick, uh, in the next few weeks or months, have a quick uh, fun project on using WatchKit. Who knows? Yeah. And also, I, I do want to point out that, like, we've been relatively harsh on WatchOS uh, this episode, but WatchOS is still the most exciting OS release every single year, at least for me, because it's so early as a platform relative to everything else that it has so much more to gain in every software update that it's very exciting to me to see what's, what it's going to get next and what Apple thinks the vision for this device is. No, that's totally true. Uh, uh, a good example of that, I was I was super excited when I saw the API that Mark Raman could use for Overcast, and now the Overcast app has, like, makes more sense as a watchOS app. Yep. It has more functionality. I didn't try the offline functionality here where you can download stuff. Uh, I heard it's good, not great, uh, because of the WatchKit limitation, but it is way better than it was before, and I'm happy that I'm happy to see that Apple is showing to people like Marco that they can maybe invest more of their time uh, on the platform, uh, but hopefully it's not the like the one update for audio apps and for the next three years. That would and be then sad. It's like, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, it's weird because I, I'll move to my conclusion. And unless Yannick, uh, do you have any other topic you wanted to bring about the watch itself? Hmm. I have a closing statement, but I don't know if you want to do your conclusion first. Or yes, I have a closing statement too slash conclusion. And if you don't mind, I'll go first. Sure. So uh, to negate the small negativity section about apps, I think as a whole, I'm super happy about the watch. It is an amazing improvement on top of uh, the Series Four. Uh, Apple is also trying to innovate. Like one of the apps that I tried with uh, Tony and friends is the Watkie Talkie app. Uh, Yannick is a bad fan and did not accept me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I did accept you. Oh, I'm you just... did accept me? Okay, yes. let me... I need to look. Let's see. Oh, yes, I see you now that you're, 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 yes. Okay, I'm just never, never available in the Watkie Talkie yes, app, true. but no, but now I, I did don't accept you. With... Yes, but now it doesn't say uh, invited next to your name, so that's good. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Uh, I made a mistake. Yannick is a good friend. He did accept my invitation. But all of this is to say that you see that Apple is at the same time also trying to push the platform still in a different uh, direction, even if they know that right now the pillars of the Apple Watch is notification and uh, fitness. I'm not a big fitness guy. I might change this winter. We're trying to maybe go to the gym, Tony and I. So we'll see. I'll maybe be able to report back on more of the fitness functionality. Every time I do uh, an exercise, either to go on a long hike or a long walk, I really like what Apple is doing with this, especially with the activity app and all that stuff. So for uh, somebody like me, uh, I like what they do. So I'm 
but maybe if I push it hard, uh, I'll see I'll need more apps, I'll be able to try. So all of this is saying is this is a good purchase right now on the smartwatch market. Uh, of course, as you're on your iOS, because that's more or less the the main solution. Yeah, the only solution you have if you're on Android, you cannot use the Apple Watch. Uh, all of this is it is an amazing update from Series Zero and especially the Series One, Two or Three. It depends if you want to update yet. Three, maybe not. Uh, the bigger screen is quite nice. I like the fact that uh, I see more information. Uh, that a new watch face are are optimized, but I would like all the watch face to be optimized for the new screens. Uh, so that's some of the small caveats. All of this is saying is watchOS is still a young platform. So you need to be prepared even with amazing hardware. And I think it's a common theme in when we talk about hardware and software of Apple these days is the hardware is amazing. But the software is on some cases disappointing, on some cases amazing, on some points is great, on some points meh. So this is more or less the Apple Watch is typical Apple like 2015 and up, 2014 and up Apple experiences. The hardware is amazing. The software has some good stuff, some bad stuff. It's funny because it's the opposite for the Mac. You you mean uh, with the Mac, everything is bad? The, no, the hardware is bad on the Mac, but the software is great. Ooh, okay. uh, I, see, I see where you say that, but that's not what I hear people say. Mm. I tend to hear people say that the software is... Eh, the But I guess you're maybe referring more to people come the... the you may be referring more to people uh, talking about iPad productivity versus Mac productivity here right now, but no, I just no? mean like Mojave okay. has been rock solid for me, and like it's people very are still good. complaining about the keyboards. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. But, okay. The keyboards uh, and the shitty processors in the MacBooks. That's a fair argument. If you say that uh, Mojave is solid, uh, rock solid, I'm still on Ice Sierra. Um, but yes, okay. Uh, better understand your argument now. Okay. So my closing statement is actually going to be a future-looking statement, which is we currently live in a post-iPhone SE world, which means that soon phones are only going to be huge or huger. Does it mean you're getting your your 10 hours soon? First of all, I heard you say X and two. No, 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 no. I'm in 10 hours. And two, no, I haven't ordered a 10 hour yet. Oh, I need to fix that. But... I'm thinking of the watch more and more as the small screen counterpart to a bigger phone and less as a watch. And I, I'm very intrigued to see like how reviewers will approach the product in the future. I, I don't think this is an angle that many people are considering right now. But as we have larger and larger phones, I feel like I still want something with a small screen that I can use in and be less intrusive. Like when I'm at the grocery store, I would ideally want my grocery list to be viewable entirely on my watch without needing to get my phone out. Right now, I like I take my phone out and I put it in the grocery basket while I'm walking around the place. And it's kind of clumsy. I wish I could just look at my watch instead, raise my wrist and everything. And I'm think I'm trying to think of more and more of these sorts of micro applications of how can I substitute using my phone by doing something on the watch. And I think that is the angle that we should be approaching the Apple Watch with for the future because now phones are humongous and it feels intrusive to use your phone out and about whereas it didn't before. 
Wow, that is a quite interesting closing statement. I think you're touching on some stuff that would maybe fix some part of my rant about apps. And I like what you said in general. Uh, I'm getting used to big phones, so okay. But yes, no, I feel sometimes that by bringing smaller experiences to the watch, you might find creative way and like reinvent some stuff that would make way more sense on a smaller screen like it was on a smaller phone before but now maybe just on the watch and not be on a big phone yeah like i I could give a whole university course on like how the small iphone screen actually made design of apps better because you had to actually decide what went on screen instead of just like putting it all on the screen but that's another episode so let's not get into that university course on that wow it probably deserves one yeah Okay, okay. Never thought I'd miss the day of Bada phones from Samsung. R.I.P. Bada. Oh, yoy, 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 Bada. It's been a while since I heard about it. The OGOS. Yes, I don't want to talk about it, so let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right, the original Galaxy operating system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So if you want to see our show notes for this episode, you can go to limitlesspossibility.net slash 102. I should point out that before I actually went to the website and looked at what episode number it was, my note said Limipo 402. So there you go. <laughs> wow. I don't think we're at C5. It will be e 16 years old. Yeah. That's oh, wow. about right. Wow. Uh, you can find all of our episodes, including the future episode 402 at <laughs> limitlesspossibility.net. You can also find our podcast on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. Don't forget to tweet in your games of the year. Uh, you- oh, I was about to say that. I have a, already have a long list, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I might have couple games to add in the next two weeks holy shit i think you played more games than i did this year <laughs> yes and i think like two-thirds of this list is in the last like three months so hmm. yes interesting uh you can also find us individually on twitter i'm at sakurina that's s-a-k-u-r-i-n-a and you can find luc olivier at luconosh that's l-u-c-c-o-n-o-u-c-h-e and we'll see you for the last episode of the year in two weeks see you in two weeks